I'm in a cage. You know why animals die in cages? Their soul dies. Okay, guys, it's the last Tiger King. It's kind of sad. It is a little sad. I Episode 6, I was kind of over it. 7 renewed my vigor. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a good thing for us to close on, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then we're going to roll in the the bonus episode or whatever into this one because it's just not enough for its own thing. Mm -mm. It wouldn't make sense to do it on its own thing. So this episode is called Dethroned. And you were right with all of the information about Jeff and Lauren having a kid and stuff like that. I I told you. Yeah, you you would cringe. I told you. Oh, my gosh. So... We open up with Jeff Lowe showing off where the new zoo is going to be. And we learn that he and Tim Stark are business partners. It's just a match made in heaven, isn't it? uh Uh-huh. I know. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, Tim says he's bringing millions of dollars worth of equipment and hundreds of animals to the project. And... Oh, God, I hated this joke. He's like, you know, everybody says that you're stupid or dumb people can't get anything done with a monkey on your back. And that's why I keep the monkey on my front and I can still get shit done. It's like. Because <laughs> he's got his his monkey that he's always got with him. Uh, yeah. And like sharing a piece of pizza with it on in the car. I'm like, ew. He's like. I take a bite, you take a bite. I take a bite, you take a bite. That's disgusting. I can't even do that, like, with my kids. I can't do it with my husband. Like, it's gross. There was a movie. Was it Beethoven? There was one movie where a kid is sharing an ice cream cone, and it's like, one look for me, one look for you. It was 100% Beethoven. Okay. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's, like, so much slobber. Why would you? Well, Mm -hmm. this is a different story. I I just choose, personally, to not share food with animals. Right. Not on that's, purpose. Well, that's true. <laughs> Every yeah. once in a while, I don't mean to. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I w- sure wouldn't choose a super slobbery type of animal, but I also wouldn't choose any animal. That's just me. Yeah, that, it's just super gross. But Tim does admit that this partnership is the collaboration of two of the most notorious assholes in the industry. So, I mean, at least he's calling a spade a spade, yeah. I guess. Not wrong about that. And Jeff is like, yeah, I'm glad Tim's helping me. That You know, this is this is a really good partnership. And they even make a joke at one point where Jeff is like, yeah, I mean, I just tell him what to do and he does it. And Tim's like, oh, I'm his bitch and like mm-hmm. making a joke. And But I think it's interesting the way this document or the way this episode is edited or shot or something like you can definitely see the progression because at first, obviously, they're like, yes, this is amazing. We have got such a good thing going here. I don't know why we didn't think of this before. And then it trickles down and like, you know, you can see the tensions rise. And I don't know. It's just really interesting to see it all play out. Because it's stupid. Like, <laughs> who who of any of these people thought it was going to go well? Like, I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> 
So then we see Joe and Dylan. Well, we were with Dylan, but he's talking on the phone to Joe, prison call or whatever. And he's just so, he's emotional. Joe is struggling hard being in jail. He obviously wants to be out. He wants to be with Dylan. And he's like, this is not what I envisioned when I married you. I wanted everything to be different. And Dylan's like, well, I mean, I know, but you need to focus on getting out. And I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere, which I don't understand. I don't either. I do not get it. Because it's not like Joe's got a bunch of money that Dylan has, you know, because they're together. Like, there's yeah, nothing. It's kind of a strange case of beer-flavored nipples, but there are no nipples to be had because those nipples are arrested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Arrested nipples. Yes. Those are convicted nipples. Yeah. Well, somebody has them. Just jail bitch nipples. True, yeah. true. Yes. <laughs> um, but he says that they, this is pretty much how their conversations go and they talk three times a day. Yuck. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, just, misery loves know. company. He can't, Joe can't yeah. be upset all by himself because that doesn't work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> then we talked to James Gerritsen. God bless him. Yeah. He says that Jeff let the feds into Joe's house, and they took all kinds of documents, jump drives, all kinds of stuff, and Jeff's like, yeah, that just opened up a whole other can of worms for Joe. And he has that shit-eating, like, smirk on his face every time he talks. I cannot stand him. And I his, know. like, self-tanning is getting worse. It's getting much worse. It's, um, it's obscene. It's, it's aggressive and it's, yeah. offensive. I don't know. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And one of the discoveries that the feds made when they went into the home were bones of big cats. So, you know, it's been alleged that Joe had shot cats before. And he always denied it, but then, and weren't some of them, didn't he claim that other people poisoned or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, but he said that that was more in the podcast than it was in this documentary. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah, because he said a couple of the Ligers had been, um, had been poisoned by that bitch Carol Baskin. Mm-hmm. But when they dug up the bones, they said that they found the skulls, and the skulls, from what they're saying, showed that they'd been shot in the head. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> it, it just, Joe, he's, he's correct in a lot of stuff he says in this episode, that everybody else is lying, they're perjuring themselves, they're, you know, all of these things, yet... He's still doing all those things too. <laughs> like, but I think the you're difference still lying. is that Joe seems to believe his own lies. So to him, they're not lies. Mm-hmm. And he can see everybody for who they actually are. It's mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. In addition to the murder for hire charges, now the feds are going after him on 19 wildlife offenses. And <laughs> Doc Antle. He he, ju- I just I just hate him so much. But he's he's like, oh, you know, they're trumping up all these wildlife charges because the damn murder for hire case was flimsy. 
So then they had to come in with all these other 20 silly-ass charges to make it look, you know, better and make the charges stick or whatever. Um, and he says, all that combined makes this poor dolt. Oh, okay. I was like, what is... I thought he was saying the word adult weird. I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess if you need to classify him as an adult, like, that's weird. <laughs> Making that's this an poor SAT adult word, look like... Torella. <laughs> oh, is it? I don't know. Don't oh, um, but Tori looked it up. It means a stupid person, which I guess would technically make us dolts. I don't know. Like you yeah. call me adult all you want to, and yeah, I turned adult when I was eighteen years old. <laughs> but <laughs> I've been adulting for a long time now, and that's I, beside you know, the point. Zero of five. Do not recommend. <laughs> um, but it's he said it makes him look like this felonious murderer. The thing about Doc Antle, and I feel like it's gotten him very far, it's a very good manipulation skill, is he is very similar to Ted Bundy. Not, this is, I don't know if you can make a connection the other way and just stay with me. You mean he has murdered a lot of women? 100%. That's exactly what I meant by that. I did not know that. They like. You heard it here first. (laughs) Exactly. They like to fluff up their conversation so much and what they're saying. It's like, you know. They throw in so many big words, and I feel like he's definitely got that, you know, uh, monologue skill down where he just can make everything seem so... Because he's he's a smart man. He's awful, but he's smart. And yeah. I think that he, he, he drinks his own Kool-Aid so much that he's like, oh my gosh, I'm amazing. And then he makes all these, he says all these big words and makes himself sound so educated and smart. And people, if you don't know any better, if you are adult, you're like, whoa, this guy is smart. Yeah, Yeah, he makes, yeah. He he can do enough smoke and mirrors that he exactly. and he's just convincing the way that he talks about stuff like totally because he believes if, it. Yeah, and if you are even slightly unsure of like your position on it, or you're not sure if you have all the right, like he he can exploit that and go in there and then take your confidence down to where you're like, I think he's right, right? Like I could see him being like that, you know, yeah. or like. If you got in an argument with him about something and you were like, no, I'm pretty sure this is what happened, he could, like, talk you out of it. hmm 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 Amanda Green, so the prosecutor, says that both the murder for hire and wildlife charges were crucial to bring and to bring together. So counts one and two charged Joe with murder for hire, and counts three through seven were for shooting and killing five tigers that were at his facility in October of 2017. Did he kill them all in October? Apparently. Like, that's suspicious, too. Because he, he tries to say that they were sick. But if yeah. you kill them all in the same month, they were all sick enough that they had to be euthanized in one month. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, I feel like because the end of 2017, he was getting really desperate for money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the less yeah. mouths you have to feed the less money right. you have going out. Yeah, exactly. Or, and you can make room for the younger cub. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you needed to make room. Money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what they threatened me with? 79 years. 
they superseded my indictment with all these stupid charges because the first two charges for murder for hire would not have stuck. But Joe, did you shoot those tigers? I euthanized five tigers, okay? If you have a tiger in line that needs to put to sleep, you don't shoot it or dart it. There's only two options. Jeff is talking about how GW Zoo isn't his park, it's Joe's park, and he's like, Joe's ghost walks this place, and, you know, I'm even embarrassed to tell people what I do, because, you know, if I tell people I have the zoo here, they're like, oh, are you that crazy bastard? And he's like, no, no, I'm not that crazy bastard. Like, but the thing is, you are. You are not that crazy bastard, but <laughs> you, are you are a your own crazy bastard. Yeah. You are a crazy bastard, yeah. The denial of these people. I mean, I guess if, if you suck that much, you kind of have to be in denial of it, right? I would. Well, how else would you survive? I don't know. Exactly. But, yeah, I feel like, again, this entire documentary is just everybody being pieces of shit assholes, but they're like, well, I'm not as bad as him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's just yeah. it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So surprise, surprise. You know, in the last episode, James was telling us about where they were going to put the new park and how you had to have it on the Texas border because people in Oklahoma are poor and, like, all that kind of stuff. So he's like, this was my idea, the new park. And, but then stuff with Jeff started to sour. It's like, no shit. And he's like, you know, Jeff doesn't care who he screws. Like, yeah, no, he never did. Yeah, Yeah. you that was okay with you when it was when you were in on it, you know, it it was okay when you were on the side of screwing people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And now that's a problem. Like, what did you think was going to happen? He doesn't give a fuck about you. James says that Jeff would have been indicted if it wasn't for him. And he's the one who got Jeff the deal. And according to Jeff, James said that he stuck his neck out for Jeff and he wanted Jeff to put his name on the zoo. But Jeff was like. You know, it just doesn't work like that. He could not have afforded to pitch in on the zoo. So, therefore, his name is not going to be on it. Tim Stark said the zoo is going to be the biggest zoo and it's going to be immaculate. And James is like, everybody's focused on having the biggest, but nobody cares about having the nicest one. And James is like, that's just how they do business. They'll just stick you in the back. James is then asked by the director, Eric Good, how involved Jeff was in trying to get Carol murder. And James is like, All right, you're not going to show this to the defense attorney when I lay it all out? <laughs> don't, don't free that motherfucker. No. <laughs> uh, they all suck. I bet Eric had to, like, drink a million bottles of alcohol every night after he got home from interviewing these stupid idiots. <laughs> or he was just laughing to himself because he's like, man, this is good TV, you know? Yeah. <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, just like Scrooge McDucking, just like just swimming in all of his coins and things. Yeah. Gets well, home. Literally the biggest documentary in the history of the, the world. Mm-hmm. I mean... So, James says that basically Jeff helped put the whole thing together, and because he obviously knew about it, like, he's the one that told James on the phone that Joe was going to use Alan Glover. Alan Glover said that he was asked by Joe to kill Carol. He was supposed to get five grand, but then Joe could only come up with 3000 so Alan took that money and ran. 
And there's a call between Jeff and Alan where Jeff is explaining why Alan needs to basically give Joe up or admit to his part in the plan. And Alan's like, it's it's kind of hard to, I feel like Alan is hard to understand, like the yeah. way he talks. Um, but Alan's like, you know, I need them to give me immunity. And so Jeff is explaining, like, you have to give them something they can use and then they'll give you a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like all of this is so shady, though. It is. <laughs> like, the more I look at this, I think Joe... I think Joe wanted to have Carol killed. I am leaning more toward this plan, the Alan Glover plan, was all Jeff. Because Joe didn't trust Alan. He didn't like Alan. What makes more sense that Jeff, the one who was doing all the Google Earth and looking it up and all that kind of stuff, and who has said himself it would be better for me for sure if she was dead, doesn't it make more sense that he would hire Alan? Right. Well, yeah, and I feel like it's definitely true that, so, Joe obviously wanted Carol murdered. I think that he was happy no matter how that came to be, but he wasn't wrong in the fact that he was set up to an extent, because I think that Jeff definitely did set him up, and Mm -hmm. I think Alan was part of it, you know? I don't know if Alan knew the bigger picture of why, but... I think he was happy to get right. the money and he was happy no matter what happened to take Jeff or Joe down. And Jeff throughout this entire thing, especially this episode, he's like so smug, like everybody wanted to take Joe down. You know, Carol wanted to take Joe down. PETA wanted to take Joe down. All these people want, but I'm the one that took him down. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He is such a douchebag. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you took him down because, because you got away with a shit ton of crimes like it was all just to cover his own ass like that's Mm -hmm. all it is exactly you could be proud of it if you weren't dodging like 18 felonies right process right (laughs) like (laughs) so now we're getting some information about joe's trial john rinky is talking about the trial and that it's affected him greatly he said he lost weight he couldn't eat he couldn't sleep He was also super pissed that he had to buy pants because he doesn't like to wear pants. He wears shorts. And he's like, you know, my legs, I dressed them up so people need to see them. Like, I don't wear pants. (laughs) Um, But he said that it's it's crazy that he's involved in a murder for hire plot because all because he stopped by a zoo to feed a bear one day. And he's like, who would have (laughs) thought? I mean, you can't make that shit up. That's for sure. Yeah. And he's like, you know, for 14 years or whatever, my job was to get Joe out of trouble, but I don't think I can get him out of this. And the reporter, Sylvia Corkle, is like, you know, there are all these people that were super close to Joe, like tight knit right there with him every day, day in, day out. He immensely trusted these people. And now they're all testifying against him. Mm hmm. Josh Dial said that he doesn't mess with the feds. He doesn't really like the feds. And he's like, well, I'm a libertarian, so technically fuck the feds. Because, I, I mean, my hands are tied with that one. <laughs> I literally, because of who I am as a person and how paranoid I am, or maybe not paranoid, but yeah, paranoid, Um, just watching this, I was like, oh, f- fuck. Am I going to get in trouble? Because I'm 
Well, yeah, I'm listening to someone say you. fuck the feds. I know. Yeah, exactly. Like she records everything. So we're definitely getting flagged. Yeah. Well, Josh, stop. I know. But he doubled down in his uh, interview with Joel McHale. He, yeah. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck the feds. Like, yeah. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> he, and he's like, nobody, nobody wants to deal with the federal government. Like, obviously. Um, but he said he was contacted by a federal agent and they were like, you can either be on Team Joe or you can be on Team Government. That's your choice. And he's like, well, that's fucking scary. Yeah. Um, Eric Cowie, I was surprised about this, still works for Lauren and Jeff. Mm-hmm. I mean, as of, yeah, I mean, as of the COVID. So, yeah, he stayed at the park and he still works for them. I was pretty surprised about that. But he... He did go and testify against Joe, and he said that Joe came up with his 410 in his hand, and he knew he had just shot Cuddles. He heard it. And he said that Joe goes up the hill and says, God damn, Eric, if I knew it was going to be that easy, walk right up to the cage, I'd kill them all. There's no way for Eric to stop it, he said. He was like, it's just going to happen. Happen. He's like, I can't stop it. I don't, I don't know what happened there. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. man. Reading's tough. It, yeah, reading's hard. Um, this part was really sad to me, too. It was, it really broke my heart because Eric, he goes back home, and I guess this is just after the trial or whatever. You see empty booze bottles, like, everywhere, and he is drunk as fuck. Like, he's definitely super, super hammered. I'd be surprised if he remembered this. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you could, I mean, you can just tell it's, it's affected him, too. Like, that was, I think he, to me, it seemed like it, he felt a lot of guilt because he was saying, like, these cats trusted me to protect them. And I guess Eric was the one who got them to come to the side of the cage because they trusted him. And then well, he and said he, he felt like... He said he felt, because in, I think it's the the second, or the last episode when he talks to Joel McHale, he's like, I've got the kind of voice that commands their attention. You know, it's like, my dogs don't listen to a word I say, basically, but a big man voice that, you know, it gets yeah. their attention and it gets them kind of in line. And I think that yeah. he had that voice and Joe used it to yeah, get them I mean, to Joe back up against a wall. Yeah, Joe doesn't have that type of voice. He's more along the lines of, like... Probably what we would sound like if we tried to yell. He's like, like a tea kettle when he yells, I'm sure. Yeah. Like the yeah, sound. He's definitely got a range. <laughs> yeah. If you let the air out of a balloon real small, I think that that's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he would, you know, he would get them to come over there and then Joe would shoot them. Mm-hmm. Apparently. And he said they would look him in the eye when they died and he was right there and he's like, he said it, it means a minute to me, a heavy minute. I'm not 100% sure what that means, but he's super drunk. So it was just but really sad. Even though he's super drunk, I think, I mean, obviously, and the heavy minute thing, it doesn't, I've never heard that before, but I got it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you can tell it's like, it, it I mean, it weighs on him. It still weighs on him. Mm-hmm. Carol said that she was surprised that Joe didn't want to kill her himself, but she wasn't surprised that he wanted to follow through with it. And she said, the only silver lining to this is if someone did kill me, that would push the movement so far forward that it would be worth it. All right. John Finley, 
Joe's ex-husband, testified against Joe on both charges. And they, like, Eric Good was like, yeah, okay, so you're going to testify against him on, like, the animal abuse charges? He's like, no, both. Mm -hmm. No, I'll be there for both. Like, John is so over Joe's shit, he can't even handle it. Yeah. Understandably so. I mean, for him to have been there for, what, 16 years? and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like, I don't know what I could go to jail for, what I was complicit in that either I did or didn't know about. Like, I don't know if he's trying to say he didn't know a lot of this stuff or what, but he's just like, I... I needed to testify. I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. And he got emotional at the trial, and he said that in 2017, Joe asked him to drive Alan Glover to Dallas to purchase a fake ID. Joe told him he needed the fake ID to go to Florida and kill that bitch Carol Baskins. And John was like, I didn't see anybody on Joe's side. Like, nobody was there for him. Mm -mm. So he's definitely fallen far well but that's the thing when you when you use everyone in your life as a pawn for Mm -hmm. whatever cause or whatever your life's purpose is that bites you in the ass you cannot do that to people and i feel like i just feel so bad for people like these outlier kind of people in the documentary that you know like josh dial john finley John Rinky, even, I think that he was part of it, but you get caught up in that because you feel like, I mean, all of these people, the the key players, can spin things the way that they really want to to get what they, they're master manipulators. They do it all, they've done it their whole lives. But it just, it's so sad because they trust, like John trusted Joe to an extent, Mm -hmm. at least. And then he gets all wrapped up in it and he's like, well, you know, I'm just doing everything to help him out. Well, then he realizes, oh, fuck. Joe left me complicit in a lot of shit that I did. You know, he's like, well, I guess, you know, I mean, his own parents. Well, they're bankrupt Mm -hmm. now. They spent everything. Now they're getting sued. Yeah. 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 And that gives you, like, leverage, too, with with John, especially, while, because, I mean, you see it with with a lot of cases. Well, you're in this with me now. Mm -hmm. Like, you've helped me, and so you can't report me. And now you're complicit, so you're fucked, too, so you might as well help me cover it up to make sure nobody finds out kind of thing. Just sad. Yeah. James Garretson... Oh, also, I was going to say, though, like, like right there where John is saying that Joe told him to go drive Alan Glover to get that fake ID because of the plot to kill Carol, like, I believe that. I believe... I believe John. I feel like John... He he didn't seem to try to spin anything in any certain way. He was just, like, totally an open book, I feel like, even if it was stuff that would make him look bad or whatever. So I feel like, I don't know, I just, I feel like he's not a person to make up a bunch of lies. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like for John... I think that he found himself in a situation that he definitely didn't want to be in, understandably so. But I think that he's like, you know, I'm going to tell the truth no matter what what that does to me. But I just want he doesn't have anything to gain like James Garrison, like Jeff Lowe would in either telling the truth or making up a story or something, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, as far as we know, John's not been charged with anything, and it kind of doesn't seem like he will be. But, so he's not, you know, saying anything to get himself a deal or anything like that. Um, yeah, I agree. James Garretson testified that Jeff Lowe not only knew about the plan to kill Carol, but that he took an active role in hatching that plan. And and he's the one that said that while they were looking up all this stuff, that Joe was, you know, because like Joe said in the last one, I, Joe, I'm over here minding my own business, just at my desk, having nothing to do with that plan. And James, I guess, corroborates that. Mm-hmm. And James said that Jeff was the one who suggested where to shoot her and that it should be near her home. You know, he was the one looking up the Google Earth and all that stuff. And Jeff is like, well, yeah, because I'm the only one smart enough to think of Google Earth, but I wasn't planning it. Like, it's pretty detailed if you're not making some plans. Like, <laughs> exactly. Tim Stark, this was horrible. Tim Stark said that when Jeff found out that Joe was embezzling money and killing tigers, Tim said, When Jeff found out Joe was embezzling money and Joe was killing tigers, I was telling him, take the motherfucker down, slit his fucking throat, and leave him lay. And these are people you want to get involved with. Like, right. I have never, I mean, again, this is, it's a completely different situation, I guess. Thank God. Um, I don't want to lump myself in with somebody like this, but we're all people at the end of the day. But I have never, if somebody does me dirty, I've never been like, well, fucking, you know, slash their throat. Go kill them and leave them in a parking lot somewhere. Like, yeah, I think the, like, craziest advice, you know, that we would give each other would be like, you really need to stop talking to that person because it's a toxic environment. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You have to cut them out. I know that's hard. I know that's hard to do, but like, you're just going to have to, you know, cut ties. Like, yeah. Insane. Insane. Yeah. How all of these people are just free and like living in society. Like, this just tells me that like anybody who crosses you is in danger. Mm -hmm. Why say that? I just, oh my God. And there's no apologies for any of what anybody's saying, you know? Oh, they're not no. Like, Ooh, yeah, they're proud of it. Yeah. yeah, they they think it makes them look like tough guys. Hard asses, yeah. yeah. Me and Jeff, I mean, we have our quarrels, you know, but the main thing I wanted was a business partner. And I got a lot of damn earth to move for one person. 16, 18 hour days, seven days a week. Yep, he just does what I time to do. Yeah, I'm his bitch. I feel like at this point you get a better idea of the, they don't act like it's a, it's a bad thing, but I think that this is where you can see Tim being like, yeah, I have to do everything. I just do whatever, whatever Jeff says. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of starting out as like a joking thing. And then it's like, it, it obviously escalated, but yeah, you can tell that. I feel like Tim's face in that moment was John Finley's face at the three-way wedding mm-hmm. he was like i'm not really okay with this yeah I'm going along with it but i'm not really okay with this exactly uh sylvia corkle said that jeff is a very skilled con man and she's like how is he not facing any charges it's like preach girl <laughs> he i mean and she's like and jeff didn't testify in court which is 
as a jury, you have to think about that. Why is this guy, I mean, I don't know, maybe they didn't get any information about Jeff at all, but I don't know how you could present this case without Jeff in it at all. He's a witness who gives all this uh, damning information about Joe, yet he's not called to testify. And the prosecution is not going to call him because it would damage their case, because the defense attorney is going to tear that to shreds and they're going to prove that Jeff is lying. Mm-hmm. He's going to perjure himself. So you can't have Jeff fucking up your case as the prosecution. So, And for him I to mean, be a key witness, why wasn't he there? <laughs> exactly. It just It just tells you something, I feel like. Garretson goes on to say that letting the hitman go tells you it's a witch hunt. He went down to Florida to murder somebody and he didn't even get probation. There are little nuggets of truth buried in a whole bunch of bullshit. Right, yeah. But it's there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tori, do you want to introduce us to this next scene? Uh... That noise was, uh, in case you missed it. Um, (laughs) That's me being the most uncomfortable I've ever been. So, yeah, sure. Um, This is the moment where, even as far as Tiger King standards go, because the bar's low, right? Uh, For mega weird and super uncomfortable. But this is where we get, this is the bottom of the barrel here. This is like, it's worse than anybody could have ever wished or imagined. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I'm going to guess Eric Good, the director, I don't know who whose idea this was, right, decided to interview Alan Glover in a bubble bath. Like, fully in a bubble bath. When he's running the water, I'm like, maybe he's just cleaning his bathtub right now. He's he just cleaning strike it. strike me as the type that would find that to be priority number one enough to clean it while he's being interviewed, but you hope, right? Right. Yeah, I was like, yeah, please tell me he's just cleaning it. And then he gets in. And luckily, he he isn't. It's like a never nude type situation. He is in a bathing suit. What was the point? Drinking out of his Bubba keg. Does he consider that? Is this like his jacuzzi? Like, because it is a jacuzzi tub, I guess. Is he like, let me get in the hot tub while we do this? Because that's not the same. No, I mean, no. Those like, it's like that corner bathtub, you know. There are like probably corner. jets involved in the Yeah, so I feel like it probably on, yeah. has jets. Yeah, they weren't on. What was, what was that? What, what, ha- what happened? <laughs> See, it's just like, this documentary is the gift that keeps on giving because I literally, I don't know who said it. I've heard it before, but it's true. This is the kind of documentary that you're like, there's no downtime. There's no time for you to be bored because everything that comes is like, oh, fuck, this is, oh, my God, what's happening right now? Like, you know, it's, they just keep throwing it at you. It's It's exhausting. It is, yeah, it's totally exhausting. He, he says that he, you know, wish he wasn't a part of this whole thing and that Joe deserves everything he gets and, you know, even more and whatever. There is the question, did Alan, in fact, go to Florida? Because Joe says he didn't go to Florida. So he's like, well, he didn't even go to Florida. He just you know, had money or whatever and and left. But if he didn't go to Florida, then that makes the case fall apart, essentially. So Howard is like, okay, there is different testimony about whether or not he did or he did not go. But Alan testified that he did go to Florida. And for whatever reason, Howard believes this. I'm very surprised that they called Alan. 
because, again, like you would think a defense attorney would have cut him to pieces, but I don't know. But Joe is like, you know, I don't understand why no one brought up that he lied on the stand because there are recordings of him saying that he didn't go to Florida. And, you know, in the la- wasn't it in the last episode where he's like, apparently I chickened the fuck out, which I, yeah. I guess he's saying apparently because he's, he, I don't think he fucking knows if he went to Florida or not. I don't think he knows where he went, what he did, who he saw. I think he was just in such a, an alcohol and drug induced haze that he has no idea what happened for this however many weeks or months, I don't know. Yeah. Portion. He just has no idea. He's like, allegedly. Yeah. I didn't go. I may or may not have gone. Like, I, who can know these things? Mm Mm-hmm. He has no fucking idea where he went. No. But he's like, you know, apparently I just chickened the fuck out, never made it there. And Joe is like, does lying under oath not mean something to these people? Like, Joe... Does it mean anything to you? Right. It's just so, like, the whole thing, I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. But, and he says it should be a mistrial because of all the perjury, and I do agree. Like, if, here's, here's what I want to know. And I'm sure we, we just don't get a lot of the evidence because it's, that's not what this is actually about. They're, you know, they're looking for the drama points and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to see the evidence that the court had. I want to know. I want to see if Joe and Alan did text about this, like, mm-hmm. plan and all that kind of stuff. I want to know that Joe did provide him with the burner phone. I want to know that Joe did provide him with pictures of Carol. Anybody, like you said, there were Facebook pictures of her. Anybody could have gotten that information. Jeff could have given it to him, too. Like, it could have come from anywhere. I want to know who it did actually come from. I also want to fucking see records because that they're going to be able to place him in Florida or not in Florida. Mm-hmm. And if Howard was present at the trial, it seems like that would have come out and he would have said, yeah, I know Alan says he wasn't there and, you know, sometimes he says he was there, but the state has, you know, or the, the country, I guess, has mm-hmm. definitive proof that he was there, placing him there, his cell phone interaction he used a credit card like whatever it is Mm -hmm. he was there but we don't get that we don't get one way or the other it's Mm -hmm. like and if if all these witnesses are perjuring themselves then yeah it does need to be a mistrial and we need a new trial without those witnesses well and there was a point in the last episode that we they briefly touched on in the episode we didn't really talk about it but Carol says that she's at a gas station one day and she's pumping gas and she sees this guy walk up to her and she's like, oh, God, oh, my gosh, is this the guy? Because she had already been notified that this is a legit threat and that she's, you know, somebody's trying to kill her. And she's like, I have to make a split second decision. Like, do I do I turn the nozzle on this guy and just, you know, spray him with gasoline? But you would think if she saw this man, if she saw his face and then she's at the trial she mm-hmm. could be like, that's the man, and point him mm-hmm. out. But she, as far as I know, she didn't. Right. Yeah. So there's, I, from what we're given, that doesn't seem like, there doesn't seem to be enough proof to be like, yeah, Alan was there or not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And was that during the time frame that Alan was gone from the park? Like, mm-hmm. you know, would he have been there? Could he have been there? Right. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know. 
it's just this whole trial is so convenient for what the outcome for the outcome that everybody wants to have happen right i mean like mm-hmm. jeff wants joe to go down alan for sure wants joe to go down carol wants joe to go down the government wants joe to go down are there a, is there enough evidence just cuz you right. want it doesn't mean you should get it you know yeah. Yeah, now, did he take part in some shady shit? He absolutely did. And his sentence of, what, 22 years, I think is probably, if you removed the murder for hire plot, I think he would have got 22 years anyway. Right, because that's, stuff. you, it's undisputable evidence that he definitely killed five tigers and he had, there were witnesses that testified to it. Yeah, and the selling of and breeding and, you know, all the things that Competing he was doing all the that things. Was, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Illegal. So I think he would have got 22 years regardless. Um, I don't know that they proved beyond a reasonable doubt that, that he, that it was his plan alone. I think he was definitely in on it, but I think that if you're able to convict Joe, then you have to be able to convict Alan and Jeff because they were it was the three of them Mm -hmm. talking about exchanging the money talking about all the stuff getting everything prepped like if you're going to be able to convict Joe then you have to convict them and if they're not and I'm sure a jury just isn't privy to whether or not the other people are going to be charged or anything like that they don't want you to have information about any of the other stuff but it just doesn't make sense right I agree Joe took the stand in his own defense Everybody was like, don't do it. Do not do it. Yeah. Do not yeah. do it. They were like, his attorneys were begging him, please do not do that. And then he was like, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and and Joe, I think he thinks if they hear from me, they'll love me because everybody loves me. Mm-hmm. And they'll believe what I say because everybody usually believes what I say. But they were like, you know, Sylvia Corkle was like, he had an answer for everything that the prosecution asked. And that doesn't come off well to a jury. They don't like it when you have an answer for everything in the way that people typically do because it's like smug and, you know, it just comes off as like, I'm above the law. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're too dumb to figure this out or whatever. So Joe said right before Thanksgiving, he called Jeff. To say that Alan wouldn't wear a uniform, he wouldn't do anything like Joe asked him to do. He says, I don't work for you, all that kind of stuff. So he said Jeff sent him a text saying that maybe Alan would just be better off if he just went back to South Carolina. So Thanksgiving Day, Joe said that he had cooked dinner for 150 people, and we saw the footage of that where he's handing out the food to everybody. And that they had donated enough so that he could give Alan $3,000 to get the hell out of there. Joe said it was out of the register per Jeff's orders to give it to Alan. And then Howard is like, look, Joe can be really convincing. And I knew that they just needed one holdout to make it a hung jury. And like right when Howard is like, you know, Joe can be really convincing. I was I was in the process of kind of being convinced in that moment. And I was like. Okay, snap out of it. Like, (laughs) because I don't know, like, it just so much of it doesn't make sense. Just him using Alan at all. And and maybe it was just out of desperation. Maybe it was like, I mean, because Joe had asked a lot of people. 
Mm-hmm. It was not it was not something he had not asked people before. Well, and not to be a judgy McJudgerson, but looking at Alan Glover, if I had to pick one person in the whole world to be like, yeah, I could see him killing somebody, Alan Glover would be it. I could yeah. see him killing somebody. So maybe that's yep. all it took for, you know, Joe was like, yeah, I mean, he'll probably do it. Yeah. He said he would. Yeah. yeah. And that to me, shit. yeah, this whole thing, and I get like, we don't have, the evidence is lacking on the murder for hire situation, I believe, unless we just don't see it. But this kind of implicates Joe in a way because he's like, no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. I did give Alan $3,000 for sure. But here's why. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. ooh, girl, yep. you just. Yeah. Mm-mm. And that's where the answer for everything comes in because it mm-hmm. just doesn't look good. Like, is it possible that things happened and it, you know, it got spun a certain way, I guess. But is it possible that one, two, three, four, you know, all these things happened and they all had to be spun in a certain way for it to look like murder for hire? Like, he did all the things. He's just saying that's not why. Mm-hmm. Like, what are what are the odds of that, though? Exactly. <laughs> Doc Antle said that it appeared to him that Joe was set up. He's like, he's not smart enough to go through with what he did. He's like, who hires a $3,000 hitman? He's also stupid. A cross-country traveling high-end hitman cannot cost $3,000. It couldn't cost $30,000. I bet it's probably a hundred grand to find that guy. And you certainly don't find him from a new friend. Like, a lot of experience and <laughs> hiring hitmen. When I've hired my hitmen, yeah. I've known the people for a long, long time. Yeah, it's not from new people. No, only old people, old friends, like whatever. Right. And Josh Dial says that Jeff definitely set Joe up and he says it's a goddamn tragedy. Josh, Josh has like a weird allegiance to Joe. Yeah, he definitely feels, and maybe it's that whole, it's the whole Travis bonded them together type of thing because he definitely feels sympathy for joe for some reason but he also can see it from the other side and be like yeah that was the worst experience of my life being on that zoo or at that zoo and i it was like you know hell on earth for him but he's also Mm -hmm. like but i feel bad for joe i don't know it's very it's it's a complex relationship (laughs) Yeah, because he just doesn't seem to see that Joe did all of this shit to himself. Well, and, and it's like Josh can't come out of the manipulation cloud, you know? Like, he's he's still... Yeah. yeah. It's I think working. he's just a genuinely good person. And, and he feels for him. Yeah, and he's just trying to see the good, you know, yeah. in everybody. Which is not a bad quality, but it's just unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but Jeff didn't set anybody up. He is an investigator. What is setting up a person, turning them in or allowing them to talk while you're recording them? Is that setting them up? You know, they call it set up. I call it investigate. And did I encourage him from time to time? Probably because I wanted that soundbite to give to the authorities to convict him and get him out of this business. I don't know. I halfway agree with that a little bit, though, because like, like, John Rinky says later, I don't think that any of this, it, the murder for hire thing wouldn't have gone so far without people pushing him. 
And Jeff's like, did I encourage him sometimes because I wanted to get a good soundbite? Like, yeah, maybe I did, but that's just investigation. Like, whatever. But at the same time, it's like, if I called you, Tori, and I was like, hey, um, I have a great idea. You mm-hmm. should kill your husband and you'll get life insurance money and everything will be like super cool about it. If you don't have a desire for that to happen, you're going to say, no, I would not like to do that. I don't want to have any part of that. And even if I came to you 15 times and said, are you sure you don't want to kill your husband? Because I think if you really think it through, you'll get like a lot of money from it. And you can put Spice Girls in every room in your house. Like <laughs> there's all these like benefits that could come from it. You're, you're still going to be like, no, mm-mm. yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's something I'm just not going to do. Right. But Joe went with it. And he, you know, it's very powerful for the prosecution to show all of those videos of him talking about killing Carol. I'm going to get that bitch's head in a jar. Shooting the head of the blow-up doll. Talking about sending the venomous snakes to her. Like, all these things. And then on top of that, he is going along with a murder-for-hire plot. Well, right, and you can say all day long, because Joe obviously needs to say what he needs to say. I don't love the way that Jeff is presenting any of his case, because I fucking hate Jeff Lowe, but he's like, you know, yeah, did I, did I push him? Yeah, and I think he did, but he didn't make Joe go along with it. That's, you ha- there has to be some shred of interest in it at least to be like okay let's talk about this more Mm -hmm. joe's a joe's adult (laughs) can say that again (laughs) he's over 18 he can make his own life choices uh yeah and he's made a lot of life choices now some questionable yeah if we're not i mean yeah no we are yeah because i think that's fine the prosecutor is like he did this all to himself he made his bed. Now he's got to lay in it. And she's like, you have to decide and make sure that no one, not even the Tiger King, is allowed to be above the laws of the United States. And that's great. You know, whatever. But okay, so then why is Jeff Lowe above the law? Why is James Garrettson above the law? Mm-hmm. Why is Alan Glover above the law? Right. So, ugh, James this fucker. He's like, you know, I've had some changes of heart. Like, do I want to see this guy put away while others go free who have done things just as bad? I'm like, uh, no. I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to sleep with, like, if he gets, like, life in prison or whatever. Um, but I'm not the only one that was there to testify. Like, a lot of other people did too, but, like, yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of, like, feel a little bit responsible. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know, like, I guess, I guess it's, like, partially my doing. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's all but you're he, doing to save your own ass i mean james was just doing it because he had a an obligation to uphold justice yeah well yeah because he's all about like the noble thing to do right i thought this was also interesting so john Rinky is like you know I was approached early on about testifying, and then I never heard anything else after that. And he was like, I ran the zoo for 14 years. Why would they not want to talk to me? Mm-hmm. Why would they not ask me any questions? And I agree. Why wasn't he called? Like, it doesn't make any sense. 
especially since they did approach him, you know, like, obviously, I mean, what, what would have come out that would not have been beneficial to their case? Exactly. Yeah. The jury deliberated for almost four hours and found Joe guilty of all 19 counts. It's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. John Rinke said, did Joe do wrong? Yeah, he did wrong. He did sell cubs. He did transport cubs. The murder for hire, I don't think it ever would have gone that far without somebody pushing. And then he's asked if Jeff Lowe should face charges as well. And he's like, I mean, he's the director of the same zoo Joe had. So, like, obviously he's, he's still, he's doing some of the same stuff that Joe was convicted on, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's still running it the same way. So, yeah, why wouldn't he be? It just doesn't make sense. And he says they all got what they wanted. Tiger King in jail in a cage. It's pretty ironic. It's sad. That man's going to die in jail. Joe is having kind of a breakdown about being in jail. He's having a super hard time. The animals get treated better than he does <laughs> in a cage. He's like, they don't even treat animals this bad. And that's how they're treating me in here. And I'm like, I very much struggle to feel sorry for you. I know. And it's just so funny because, I mean, but that's how everybody is. I think that if you're if you're a shitty person and you're a garbage person and you do bad things to animals or to whoever, and then you have the same thing done to you and you're like, this isn't fair. This is mm-hmm. not fair. I cannot believe somebody would would treat a human being this way. The thing is, though, Joe... You get three solid meals a day, which is way more than any tiger got. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have the possibility of somebody shooting you in the face to make room for another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not what the tigers had. And the tigers never got to get out of their cages at all or his chips exactly. or anything. They were stuck exactly. in the cages at all time. He at least gets an hour of rec time. Like, mm-hmm. he gets to go. It's a bigger cage, I guess. But still, he gets to do stuff like... He gets to interact with other people. He gets his phone calls three times a day with his husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those animals didn't get that. Howard and Carol are toasting with a bottle of Moe Shambin and <laughs> having cocktail shrimps. And Howard is like, you know, I usually keep these, like, little bottles of champagne for when good things happen. So this was definitely, like, a champagne night when Joe got convicted. And he sings to her. If ever I would leave you, it couldn't be in springtime. Seeing you in springtime, I never could go. You are something else. (laughs) I still, it's like I have PTSD from that moment. I don't know. I I kind of actually didn't hate it. I thought it was sweet. How would like... Howard surprises me in ways that I just feel like, I feel like their marriage is just kind of cute. Okay. Well, that's one spin, one take on it. That's fine. You can be wrong. That's fine. Yeah, I definitely think that my take on it is not going to be widely accepted. Yeah, it would be the popular opinion. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, they seem like they really love each other. (laughs) No, I mean, that's true. I don't think that that's that's untrue. But it just very much brought me back to when we were little and mom and dad would flirt with each other. And I was like, oh, God, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this moment. This is uncomfortable for me. Even if it's sweet. Mm, Yeah. Even if it's cute. I just, for personal reasons, don't want to hear Howard Baskin's sing 
to Carol. But it did kind of remind me of like a Minnie Mouse and Mickey moment when Mickey's like doing stuff, you know, like maybe singing to Minnie and she's like blushing, kind of like, oh, God, you know. Yeah. Okay. All right. I would be so uncomfortable like if that was me and my husband, though, because it's like, it's so funny, you know, we're married, like we see each other every single day, pretty much all day. But like, if he were to just openly serenade me, I would be so embarrassed. Like, I get or, really embarrassed about stuff like that. Right? Like, or on Baby Mama when Steve Martin's like, I'm going to reward you with five minutes of uninterrupted eye contact. That would make me so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh my God. We basically had to do that for our wedding pictures. Like, after the ceremony, we were doing our pictures, and they had us, like, standing, facing each other, like, hand in hand, and we're, she was, like, getting this, or he, whoever, was getting the shot from, like, eight different, like, distances. There was, like, a closer one, and then he'd, like, go back a little bit and then go back a little bit. And so we had to sit there gazing into each other's eyes for what felt like an eternity. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why is this so uncomfortable? We just got married. Like, we should be able to (laughs) look into each other's eyes, but it's weird. We don't do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So weird. So this is where Jeff talks about that Lauren is pregnant and that she's getting ready to have their baby soon. And they're having a girl. Okay, yeah, this pissed me off. So Jeff's like, okay, so she's going to have the baby. Then we'll get Lauren back in the gym. And I'm like, you're not, you're not fucking serious right now. <laughs> How, like, and she, you, her face, she tries to laugh everything off. She was not cool with that. No. Like, because- and fuck you, dude. Like, what work did you have to do? I'm carrying a baby. Like, that's hard work. And let's just say this. Jeff is no Jason Momoa. He's no fine-ass man with a killer body. And I don't even... Mm -hmm. That's not super important to me. I can get down with the dad bod. But Jeff is the one throwing out, you know, like, well, we got to get you Mm -hmm. back in the gym. Okay, you should be so lucky that you've had as many wives as you had, first of all. I don't know how he's pulling so much ass. And Lauren is beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think Lauren is what pulls the ass. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm definitely, we're getting a nanny. Like, I'm, I need help or whatever. And Jeff is like, he's as giddy yeah. as a little squirrel, schoolgirl about it. Oh, my God. He's like, yeah, um, I'm ready for the nanny. And he shows a picture on his cell phone of the nanny. And she looks like, she looks like a model. I mean, she's mm-hmm. gorgeous. And she's like, she's definitely an attractive woman. And Jeff is like, you know, I told her, you can get a nanny as long as I get to pick her. And he's like, if you're going to bring one in, why not have one that's enjoyable to look at? I mean, that person's going to live in your home. And he's like scrolling through pictures of her on his computer while he's saying this. I'm like, how many fucking pictures do you have of this? What? That's creepy. That's mm-hmm. fucking creepy. And Lauren's like, well, I mean, I guess it's great because a lot of these women are bilingual or multilingual. And so that'll be like a really good thing to teach the baby. And Jeff's like... Yeah, okay. I'm super worried about our baby's education. Like, right. <laughs> like, whatever. And Joel McHale asks how the nanny is working out in the next episode. And Lauren's like, she's hot. Ew. Does the person take I mean, it's just so gross. I think that they're missing the point of a nanny. But thank you. Yeah. This is not your full... It's not supposed to be your full-time like sex toy and that's how they're talking about it it's disgusting 
Yeah. Sylvia says that she heard rumors that Jeff could be facing charges that are much bigger than this later down the road. So, and I'm sure if they are putting together a case, you know, that can take years. So, yeah, definitely. I I mean, I guess I kind of get it, but there are rumors that he's going to be taken down. And he's like, you know, for the last couple of years, people have, have accused me of all these crimes and saying they have evidence, but it's never materialized. So, like, if you're going to charge me with something, then charge me. Like, show me your evidence. Obviously, there's nothing there. Like, he's very... I really do hope they take him down because I want to see his stupid ass face when they do materialize with the evidence because he just thinks there's... He's so he he's confident and cocky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way they can get me. And James is like... Jeff's going to get arrested soon. He says a lot of things and it all of it incriminates him. And he's like, no one knows what he's going to do. They're, he's not finished in this. Like, oh, my God. It, it's like James's grand finale or whatever. <laughs> I don't I, I don't even know why this was necessary. This I'm was glad it, I'm glad it was, though. <laughs> I know it. This is like as necessary as it was to film Alan Glover in the bathtub. Like, why? Yeah. He's like, you guys don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'm not finished with this. You haven't seen the last of me. And then he, like, rides off into the sunset. You know, the proverbial sunset. On a fucking jet ski to Eye of the Tiger. It's like a whole thing. It just makes you wonder it, whose idea it was. Because James seems to be in on what that would you know like i i don't know if if eric good was like how do you want to make your exit from this documentary and i feel like <laughs> james is like is there a way that we can get my bob blowing for sure like my bob needs to be blowing in the wind absolutely if we need a fan like i'm down like what do we need here it's totally fine i also have a jet ski or know someone who has one mm, that's an option yeah, as well probably. yeah I have a friend who will let me use his jet ski for 15 minutes. Can you get exactly. the shot in 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because think about, like, how much work they would have to go through to set this shot up where it's like, okay, James, you ride all the way the fuck out there, and then you come back towards us, and that's right. when we're going to drop the music in. Bomb right. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Like, why? <laughs> why? I don't, I don't even. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. You know, and John Ranky is like, James Gerritsen is right in there with him and nothing's being done to him. And he called, he said he called the feds to ask them what's going to happen with all this. And they said, well, this is far from over. So there's definitely more coming down the pipe is what they are saying. Mm -hmm. Joe says in a call from jail that he's kept his mouth shut for years. I think what he (laughs) means is about very specific items because he never shuts up. Mm -hmm. But... He's got a list of 37 names, and he's got proof and wants to give all of this evidence to PETA. And he's like, I'm taking everybody down. And if his heart was in the right place, if he was like, you know what? After going through this experience and being kept in a cage myself, I now realize how wrong it is what I was doing and how I conducted business. And I don't want those animals to suffer anymore like they do in the hands of all these other people. That's not what it is. He's like, well, if I'm going down, you're going down too. Right. It's revenge. Yeah. That's literally the only thing. So Dylan takes Eric Good to a storage unit 
And he shows like all of this evidence. There's like hard drives, there's paper documents, there's like totes, storage totes full of shit. And um, Joe's like, did I ever dream that PETA would be my ally right now? Fuck no, but I'm done with the animal world, so let's just shut all the troublemakers down. Then we meet Brittany Pete. She's captive animal law enforcement for PETA. And she said that Joe was public enemy number one for them, but they went to the jail where he is in Oklahoma <laughs> and met with Joe and his attorneys for two, day- two days. And he shared info about wildlife tra- trafficking in the U.S. and the abuse of animals going on behind the scenes and by a lot of people. Eric Good asked Doc Antle why he thinks PETA and the animal rights groups haven't targeted him yet. And he's like, I'm not fucking around. I can't be targeted. How do you target me? Like, what? What? Like, I don't... Again, a classic case of uh, I'm above the law. Like, they all are so cocky. Yes. Yeah. It just... What do you mean? How... Like, does he just mean I've covered everything up really well? Because... You're doing all the same fucking shit. Like, you know yeah, that. I don't, I don't um, know. And, like, when Eric Good and Dylan are going through all the paperwork, Dylan's letting him look at stuff, and he Eric Good says on camera, oh, here's one. Here's one about Doc Antle, like, buying a cub or selling a cub or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Dylan's like, no, don't look at that, and, like, grabs it from him really quick, and he's like, oh, what, is that bad? Uh, like, <laughs> he knew what the fuck he was doing. Am I not supposed to see this? I don't know. <laughs> But Brittany Pete said that Joe told her that Doc Antle put tiger cubs who have aged out of the playtime events in a gas chamber to kill them, and then he cremates their bodies on his on-site crematorium. Who has their own crematorium and gas chamber? Yeah, who has a gas chamber? Oh, my God. She said that she thinks Joe's motivation in this case is revenge, and he just wants to see everybody else go down with him. They're, again, nothing good in his heart. He just wants everybody else to go down. Like, But I'm sure Pete is like, fine by me. <laughs> fine by me. I don't care why you're doing it. I don't even know what Joe would have against Doc Antle, because Doc Antle has been very um, diplomatic when talking about anything about Joe. He's like, I'm not going there. I'm not saying, like, he wouldn't say anything like, necessarily incriminating like he's trying not to get involved in that way because he doesn't want to be involved in any way he doesn't want them to come asking him questions about what he knows he doesn't want to be involved at all but joe's like well fuck you um (laughs) now we find out that joe or that jeff and tim are at war so their their partnership didn't last forever unfortunately well and Jeff is like, it seems like everybody starts out well with me and then it ends up bad. And like, he's like, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault. Like, he does not see himself as a common denominator in any of these situations. <laughs> and Tim Stark is like, I'm done. I didn't go 900 miles to build the damn zoo by my damn self so he could take all the glory. It's So, I mean, obviously, it just took a while, but Tim figured out that Jeff doesn't have any money. Because Mm -hmm. Tim is like, I'm the one that paid for all the shit. I'm the one that brought all the equipment. I'm the one that brought all the animals. Well, no shit. Jeff does not have any money. We don't ever see... um, The only times that we ever see Jeff at the zoo is when he's talking about how great it's going to be and he's, like, you know, standing there next to Tim. We see a lot of footage or way more footage than Jeff, than we have of Jeff, of Tim, like, driving around. Using a backhoe. Right. Yeah. Like, actually doing shit on at the zoo and making it what it is or what it should have been. Yeah, and even in all of these meetings or interviews with Jeff when he's at the park, 
he walks around and like plays with the animals a little bit. You've never seen him feed an animal. You've never seen him do anything else. He's just mm-hmm. he's like you've never face. seen him even at a desk doing paperwork. Like he is just there walking around, yeah, hanging out. Yeah, he's like a rock star. <laughs> There's one part I don't remember exactly where it was, but Tim is like. Like there's a lion roaring in a in a cage and Tim like puts his face up to it and the lion is kind of like 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 if that cage wasn't there I think it would have bit Tim's face off. And Tim is like kind of leaning up against it and is just like, "Oh, you're not mad." Kind of acting like, "What are you going to do? What are you going to do?" And I just like watching that, I'm just like, "Where is the respect for what these animals can do?" Like but you remove I mean, that flimsy ass cage, right. you're dead. But that's the thing. It just is so reminiscent, some parts of this, to Jurassic Park, where Jeff Goldblum says, you guys decided you want to play God, and play God, you want to take things that you've learned from other people, yet you d- did not earn yourself, and so there's no respect there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it just, they they have this attitude of like, oh, what are you going to do? You're acting like a big, bad, you know, whatever. And it's like, because they are. Like, they're breaking their spirit and they're... Yeah. 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 It's awful. These are majestic animals. Like, I'm not going to go and, like, get a boner about it like all these people do, but they're, they're incredible animals. Should not be locked in cages, but also are not supposed to be, like, domesticated like that. And Mm -mm. you treating them like they're your little mini mat that follows you around in the house wearing kitten mittens. That's not the same thing. (laughs) Like, it's just... Right. I don't know. The little bell drinking milk out of a saucer. Exactly. So, Jeff is like, well, having Tim as a partner sounded like a good idea at the time, but also so did helping Joe. So, you know, where did that get me, basically? And... Tim is like, this was supposed to be a 50-50 business. I was not supposed to be paying for everything. I wasn't supposed to be doing all the work. And um, Tim's got a message for Jeff. Keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. So, hey, Jeff, here I come, motherfucker. You've got Tim Stark talking to Joe, Joe talking to PETA, and all these people hated each other six months ago, is what Jeff says. Which is funny because he's the same way, but okay, whatever. So Brittany says that once PETA starts to shut a person down and end their abusive animals, they do not stop. It will not stop. So I think that's her, like, this ain't a threat, it's a promise, bitch. Yeah, here I come, motherfucker. Exactly. (laughs) And Saf is like, no one wins. Everyone involved is a so-called animal advocate, but not a single animal benefited from this war. And he's so right. Like, Yeah, that's the most profound thing. Yeah, and it, it gets lost in this. Like, Josh Dial says that too. Like, what started out as a feud between two people, a good and noble fight to stop cub selling, cub petting, turned into a personal and legal court battle, and it just became about them. And he's like, think about all the millions of dollars spent by the federal government investigating this, by... Like, Carol and Howard just going to do these little, you know, tit-for-tat legal battle things. Like, little stuff. Mm-hmm. If you if everybody had put all of that money and energy into con- conservation of these animals, where would we be right now? 
Yeah. Could we have made some real changes? Probably. But that's yeah. not what it's about. So I do feel like I do feel like a lot of people give Carol a hard time in the sense that they try to lump her in into the same category as like Joe and Doc Antolin. I don't think that she is. I think that she's running her um sanctuary rescue, yeah, sanctuary out of necessity because if animals if they didn't keep getting bred and you know the cub petting and the cub selling and all that then she was well, kind of like cleaning up the mess it. that other people are making yeah and sure she started out in that area but once she realized it was you know wrong then she stopped doing it at the same time though she cannot say that it is all about the animals for her because a lot of this was personal with joe and I want to take him down, and I don't care how much money I have to spend doing that. When, like Josh says, what if you had put some of that money into, you know, a, a nonprofit organization that that does that care does about the conservation of conservation? Yeah. yeah. What would have happened then? But you didn't. So you're you're looking at these things, and you're like, some of the things that she fought with Joe about in court and spent all this money on are making mountains out of molehills when you could have actually moved a mountain with all that mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just sucks. Yeah, for sure. And Joe, like, Joe even started out with that mindset. So it, Joe and Carol are almost flip-flopped because Carol started out with the, I can use this to make a lot of money. I'm sending out videos of how to be a millionaire and, like, all this kind of stuff. And then as time went on, she realized the inhumane ways of what they were doing. And so she went, she's trying to go the other way with it. Joe started out saying that the breeding has to stop. And he seemed like he genuinely cared about the animals at first. And Rick Kirkham says, I think that he did. I think that he started genuinely caring about the animals but as he got further and further into it he saw the money that he could make from selling them from doing the cub petting from doing all these things and he started feeling more famous you know now he's joe exotic he -hmm. lost sight of that completely and he's like the worst part is i had to make a reality tv show that made him look like he cared like he didn't have to but Okay. Well, you could have yeah. you could have made it show the real thing, but okay, whatever. Right. <laughs> but he's like, you know, I I have to live with that. Um so Joe talks about his chimps and that he had to they sent them to uh I don't know, a bigger a zoo wildlife or rescue, yeah, in Florida. Yeah. I think this was right before he was arrested after okay. he left the zoo okay. and started like selling off animals and yeah. Yeah. So I I feel like he's he's good at a public persona because I don't know that he really feels that way. Like it it seemed genuine when he was saying it, but now he's just talking about how it's all woe is me, woe is me. It's not wow, this really puts into perspective what I did to all these animals. Well, and I mean look at what we talked or what you talked about earlier with the whole him helping PETA thing, he's not doing it for the right reason. So it just goes to show you, even after he's caught and he's convicted for it, he's still not, I mean, even at that mm-hmm. point, you would think that that would be like this come to Jesus moment where you've hit rock bottom and you need to really take it into account what all you've done and why, and he can't mm-hmm. even do it. He's like, okay. Because I think given the opportunity, he would go back and do it all over again because he wants the glory and the fame. Absolutely. He's not sorry. He's sorry he got caught. 
That's all exactly. there is to it. And so mm-hmm. he's just going to make everybody else pay for that. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah, going down. Everybody's going down about. with me 100%. Yeah. So we end with on-screen text. Joe was sentenced to 22 years in prison. Uh, we already mentioned that. The Big Cat Safety Act has not passed. Doc Antle's Myrtle Beach Safari was raided by the authorities in December of 2019. He has not responded to allegations of cub euthanasia. And five to 10,000 tigers live in captivity in the United States. Fewer than 4,000 tigers remain in the wild. So, like, I don't know how many other, you know, nations have tigers in captivity. That's just in the United States. That's, That's a horrible fact. 100%. Awful. And that's it. So, Joel McHale talks to some of the key people. He first talks to Eric Cowie. And Eric, like we said, still works for Jeff and Lauren. He still has his I don't give a fuck attitude. Yes, he sure does. And he said that working for Jeff is relaxed, that he doesn't yell at him all the time like Joe did. Like, it's not like you... Joe was a... He was a wild card. Like, you just never knew what you were going to get. And he says he doesn't feel like that with Jeff and Lauren. And... He also did say that he does not have an alcohol problem anymore. So that's great because I was really mm-hmm. sad for him in the last episode. Um, and so Joel McHale asked everybody who should play them in the movie about this. And he said that a lot of people were saying Vince Neal from Motley Crue. And Eric is like, Abs- no, no, fuck Motley <laughs> Crue. I hate Motley Crue. <laughs> He's like, it's just too, what did he call it? It's too. I don't remember what he said, but he's just like, no, that's that's not my thing. So who do you think should play Eric Cowie? I don't know. I don't know. I want to say David Spade just because I think that he could get that kind of Joe Dirt style. Mm. Because I don't know if David Spade's the right person to play Joe Exotic. I thought that Dak Shepard would be a great Joe Exotic. Um, I have no clue. What are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I don't either. I'm going to have to come back. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to come back to Eric Cowie because it needs to be somebody. Huh, you know who maybe could play Eric Cowie? Woody Harrelson. Oh, I could see that. I mean, he'd have to, you know, have a wig or whatever, but I could see that, like, don't give a fuck attitude, you know? Yeah, I could see that too. Kind of like Zombieland-ish. Yeah. A little bit. Nut up I'll have up. to think about that one too. Okay, Lauren and Jeff. We already mentioned that, you know, how is the nanny working out? And Lauren's just like, well, she's hot, <laughs> whatever. Um, they also, so Joel McHale is like, Alan Glover is the most fucking terrifying person I have ever seen in my entire life. And they're like, he is the kindest, sweetest, most gentle person, if you know him. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, right who are you trying to actually genuinely get to believe that like nobody believes that (laughs) yeah and they say that um so when josh dial said in the one episode that there was a listening device or whatever they're like that's bullshit that was the two-way uh that was the antenna for the two-way radio that we had like everybody knew that um jeff is not worried about james garretson because he knows why James went to the feds, and it's not for a lemur, which everybody figured. 
Yes. Um, so he's like, basically, I have more shit on him, so whatever. And he, Joel McHale is like, did you report James's hairdresser to the feds as well? And <laughs> they kind of laughed about that. Um, but they do both say that they think Carol definitely killed Don Lewis. Lauren says, abso-fucking-lutely. Mm-hmm. So, they didn't ask who should play them. No. Hmm. Does Kevin Federline act? Oh, I don't know. I think he does. Could be an option for Jeff. That's an interesting one. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I was just thinking, who's the trashiest person that probably already owns Affliction? Ex- yeah. It would be a just sliding right in there. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John Rinky. He said he loved working at the zoo for the animals. And he said that Joe told him numerous times he could never run the zoo himself. Like that, that John couldn't run the zoo by himself. And he was like, he just always tried to keep everybody smaller than him. But he does still kind of have, seem like he has an allegiance to Joe somewhat. Like, well, I think that it, from what I gather from it, it seems like John looks back on it fondly because he has to. He spent 16 years of his life doing this. So I think that if he really, if he owned that Joe was a piece of shit person and had no redeeming qualities, then what does that say about John, John Rinky, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. He says that he hasn't talked to Joe since all this because Joe can't shut up and everything's recorded. So I don't... Did you feel like that meant he thought he was going to incriminate him or just that he would incriminate himself further? I think he would incriminate himself further, but I think that there is a possibility. Well, and you never know with Joe. I don't know if there's anything that Joe could say that would honestly, realistically implicate John in something. A rinky and something, but I do wonder. Joe says a lot of stuff that I wonder if Rinky's like, man, who knows if they believe it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's Joe wants true. to take everybody down, so who knows what he would say, true or not? Yeah, that's that's a good point. He says he has a new girlfriend now, and he's super happy, and his divorce isn't final because of COVID, but it's headed that way. He was married to his wife for thirty years. Mm-hmm. And once all this shit went down, he decided to leave his wife because he was already unhappy and was just like, I'm just going to make all the changes right now. So, yeah, I feel like that's a big it's a heavy thing to not be like, you know, we had a lot of problems for a lot of years. We both weren't happy. Like, I don't know. I guess I would have. It just sounded like he was like, fuck it. I'm over you. Done. Like, got to start over. For yeah. Everything. Um. He said, when Joel McHale asked him who should play him, I said the same thing, Matthew McConaughey. I think Matthew McConaughey is a good fit. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Okay, so you didn't have anybody else in mind? No. All right, then we talked to Saf, and Joel McHale is like, were you, he asked a lot of people this, were you more loyal to Joe or the animals? And they all are like the animals, like. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's a little, I mean, I. I guess I get the point of the question, but it almost seems a little disrespectful to ask That's them that. That's what I thought. Yeah. It's and like, I feel like Saf wasn't here for it. Like, he was like, because mm-hmm. I just the the conversation between Saf and Joel, I feel like Saf was like, no, and yeah. quit out. You know, like, I think yeah. he saw right through what Joel was trying to do. <laughs> well, and Joel McHale is kind of a shit, you know? He, like... He He's says got stuff that about shit-eating grin and, type of, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I think Saf wasn't having it, and I was like, good. And Joel McHale asked him, 
when when the tiger attacked you, did you guys have any talk about like money that you would get for that or anything like that? And like he's compensation. Like, no. mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, no, we never talked about it. We just said, you know, that we definitely need to show this video to people before they work here to decide if that's really what they want to do. Like we used it as a safety video, essentially. But and he said that that video of the Thanksgiving dinner that Joe was like handing out to everybody, he's like, people didn't focus on the good that he did enough. Like, yeah, he did a lot of really shitty things, but he would he would give his shirt, the shirt off his back to somebody that needed it. He made Thanksgiving dinner for all those people for free. He and his family stayed up all night doing it. Like they he also did did do good things for people and that doesn't get recognized. But he did say that he thinks that justice was served with Joe and that he yeah. doesn't want to see Joe die in jail, but he definitely needs to go to jail. Yeah, for sure. And he said that the kid from Johnny Tsunami should play him in the movie. And I, I, I it's perfect. Oh, my gosh. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. I want to see that guy in more movies anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Josh Dial. <laughs> He said he loved the documentary. He was like, it was super well done, super, it was fair, it was balanced, it showed, it showed everybody in the right light, you know, showed good and bad, both people, or both sides or whatever. And Joel McHale is like, well, Jeff Lowe did not like how he was portrayed. And he's like, well, the truth hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, I guess so. Um, he also talked about the fact that after Travis killed himself, directly in front of him that Joe or Jeff never offered him any counseling and he really felt like he needed that. Um, And he said that he wanted to, he almost made it sound like he has like a GoFundMe or something. Mm -hmm. Because he he wants to raise enough money. Raise enough money for him to go to counseling and get medications. Mm -hmm. How much does that cost? Is it because he can't, he's not able to work right now because of like PTSD or I don't know. I was a little confused about that, but He's apparently trying to raise money somehow, but he's an excellent campaign manager, so surely he can he can get that going. I think he can find work after he hopefully gets all of the mental yeah roadblocks that he has kind of out of yeah, the way. I could not but imagine. I also thought it was really funny that Josh talked about, because Joel McHale asked if Joe had had any counseling after Travis died, and he was like, no, I think he would have really benefited from that, but he did see a shaman. And that apparently made it much, much worse. Right. Yeah. It definitely didn't make it any better. And they were, he was like, do you, were you surprised that Joe got convicted? And he was like, no, no. Right. <laughs> he, of course, got convicted. Um, but he says Joe's zoo is the same as Carol's, that neither one of them are, are better than the other ones. Um, I don't, I mean, I, Carol's cages look pretty small to me too. So I don't know, but I mean, I don't know how you, compare but um i think he's just saying that they're all kind of the same like all of the conditions are about the same um when you have to have that many animals in a cage i guess but well and i do think that maybe he's alluding to the fact that carol there's a there's a driving force behind it and or there is one at least one driving force behind it and it's money because even in the podcast that we've been listening to there have been allegations from previous employees of hers that say that she is using all the money that she's being 
donated or, you know, not paying volunteers. She's using all that money to fund her own personal needs, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And then he ends his uh, part of the interview by doubling down, saying, uh, on his fuck the feds comment, saying that the government has failed us in so many ways. They need to be working for us. Their tax money that they blow comes from us. Um, he said, I have every right as an American to say, fuck the feds, do your job. Right? Again, Ron Swanson that, would be proud. I know. That gives me so much anxiety for him, but okay. Yeah. Um, feds, if you're listening, that was Tori talking. I didn't say it. Whoa, whoa. Throw your ass right under that bus. <laughs> uh, John Finley has new teeth and he is wearing a shirt. So exciting. I don't think I've ever seen him with a shirt on. No. And mm-hmm. I don't think that John really, because when asked by Joel McHale why, why, whose idea was it for you to not wear a shirt? He's like, well, I mean, I've got, I've got tattoos. I've got the body. Like, why not show it off? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the tattoos, he had his property of Joe Exotic tattoo covered up in the last episode, but he says now it's completely finished. And he said that the tattoo artist caught a lot of flack because people were like, what a fucking horrible cover up job. Like, obviously, when he stood up and you could still see some of the letters around the bull, like, surely to God, he was going to go back in and do some shading. Like, they just, that's where they filmed it. Like, well, and dude, not just going to leave is- it like that. <laughs> I have had a cover-up done, and it was an extensive cover-up. You cannot have something like that done, especially in such a delicate, sensitive position as that would be. I don't have any tattoos there right Mm -hmm. um, above my front butt, but (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what you were going to go with there, and I I love the choice. Thank you. Um, (laughs) It just seems like a very sensitive area, so you have to do it in sessions. There's no way you could have it done unless you were a complete mannequin and sat for yeah. 10 hours <laughs> yeah yeah you definitely would have to do it in sessions people are it's impossible it's like yeah the stuff that people latch on to is just fucking ridiculous well they have to attack something and so they'll find something to attack i don't know so he did not love how he was portrayed in the documentary which i can understand because he said that he was portrayed as a drugged out hillbilly and that after his daughter was born and she is four years old at the point that this was filmed He said after his daughter was born, he vowed to never touch another drug ever again. And he said that he 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 stands by that. And I think that that was really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I I heard or I read in an interview somewhere that he said that like he was really pissed about. About the way that, you know, he came across or whatever. And he said that when they filmed. His interviews, he had his new teeth, but Eric Good asked him not to wear them. Mm-hmm. During the I interviews. Heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he just wanted me to look a certain way. Like, he didn't care about how I, you know, wanted mm-hmm. to come across or whatever. So, yeah. It's really sad because that's, that's John Finley's introduction to the world. And it was through Eric Good's lens. And Eric mm-hmm. Good was the one that decided, got to make the call there. So, yeah. Yeah. So then we go to Rick Kirkham. Oh, and John Finley did not say who he would have play him either. I don't know who that would be. Mm. So then we go to Rick Kirkham, and he is now living in Norway. He married a Norwegian woman. He said that he could not escape the Tiger King mania, that he, he shows this picture, or he shows a newspaper, and it's like the full front page, two page spread of Tiger King and Rick Kirkham being in Norway. 
And he talked about a story. He said that um, he touched on the fact that he kind of sold out his own journalistic integrity, which is an interesting way to talk about that because I have my own issues with uh, media outlets and um yeah i mean he was on inside edition right for like forever yeah. so that's not like the most ethical journalism i've ever seen but okay right but he talked about there was a story that happened while he was on the zoo or at the zoo with joe and he said that an old woman who had a horse in a horse trailer she pulls up one day and she was super upset she said she could not afford to take care of this horse anymore she really needed joe to help her with this and Joe was like, oh, go get the video camera. Let's let's film this. So Joe goes up to her and he gives her a hug. And she asks him, can you, this, this horse is old. He just needs to be put out to pasture. Can you give him a good life? And Joe's like, oh my gosh, I've got plenty of land to do this. Of course I will do this. And he was like, just unhitch the trailer. We'll bring you the trailer back the next day. And he'll have a great life out here. And Rick Kirkham says, no sooner did the lady get off the park that Joe said, Rick, follow me. He walked right up to the horse trailer. He pulled out the Western revolver out of his holster and he shot the horse dead and said, I don't take care of anybody's animals. Now they're tiger meat. My God. And they cut the horse up and fed it to the tigers. <gasps> oh my God. Rick Kirkham said that he witnessed Joe shoot two tigers. One, because the tiger almost bit him. Uh, Joe was a cruel man, according to Rick. And... He also talked about the fact, he was like, one thing that nobody knows and that nobody talks about in the documentary is that Joe was terrified of big cats. He said that in one, one of the shots where he's in the cage with the tigers, there's a white tiger and an orange tiger. And the white tiger, he said, was blind. And the other one was put on tranquilizers to be able to film it because Joe was so scared of these animals that he wouldn't get in there unless something like this would take place. Wow. Didn't know that. I know. And Rick said that he regrets ever meeting Joe, that he hopes or he thinks that the best thing that will come out of this is that people say, we need to free the animals. And then when he was asked who would play him in the movie, he said Billy Bob Thornton. And I agree. Yeah, I think that's great. I could totally see that. Yes. Also, I... In the in the other uh, in the podcast, the Wondery podcast about it, um, Rick talks about after you know he went back home after the studio burned down and everything like that, that somebody broke into his house or apartment or whatever that he was living in at the time and set it on fire and he barely made it out. Oh my god! Alive, yeah, and he's he is positive that Joe had it done. Oh yeah, like he really feels like Joe, and that's I mean, why he moved to Norway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, that's when he moved to Norway. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, Joe, I mean, if if that was, you know, Joe, that's, he's, a, again, we know he set fire to how many things? Like, that would fit. So, Joe yeah, is not, all these people crusading for Joe to be freed? Okay, Cardi B is a celebrity that has put out a ton being like, we need to free Joe Exotic. Let's have Joe Exotic freed. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, everybody, I also, I mean, I know all of it's, it's funny, you know, it's a funny documentary um, to watch because of the, it's like going to Walmart, essentially. Like, the people watching is fantastic. Yes. But as a nation, we've missed the boat on what it's, and now I don't think Eric Good really made it about the animals either. I think he saw gold 
in the people watching part of it. But we've missed the boat on what the real problem is here because it is the treatment of the animals. This shouldn't be happening. But on top of that, can you imagine? I know a lot of people don't like her, but can you imagine what Carol Baskin's life is like? Like, could you imagine seeing all this stuff about yourself if if this were you and waking up to that every single day? Like, plenty of people have hurt themselves, committed suicide, gone into deep, dark depressions over the things that the internet says about them, and everybody is talking about her. Like, well, yeah, she is definitely, she's one of the biggest people who is in the spotlight for everybody in the world. (laughs) Yeah, and everybody's like, I think I think most people are kind of treating it like she's not a real person, she's a character, mm-hmm. like her character, but she is an actual person. Um, I don't know. I just I do kind of worry like what how that's going to go for her mental stability, maybe. Yeah. And like, did you see those two guys who tricked her into thinking that she was doing an interview on Jimmy Fallon? Yes. That's fucked up. Well, I was honestly kind of surprised. I'm sure either they have, the guys who did it did extensive research to figure out if they could be sued. If they haven't, Carol and Howard are 100% getting a case together. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they'll sue them. I'm sure they will. Like, it's, that's a bold move to make. Yeah, to do Howard like and that. Carol are really super good at suing people. Well, yeah, they're litigious at heart, but I don't think that they or would be wrong about this. When I was watching it, it is, it's entertaining. It's like, oh, wow, I can't believe they pulled this off. It's interesting to see how they, they made it work. But at the same time, the whole time I was like, this is messed up. Like, this is wrong. Yeah, it's just mean. And, and they did it to other people too, right? Like, they yeah. To oh, that's not the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's working for them. It's just like, let's use your powers for good. I'm just not okay with this the the state of the world, I think no matter what happens, no matter what time in history we're in, everybody is going to try to find a way, whatever the the new thing is, like for now it's the internet and TikTok and whatever the fuck it is, YouTube videos. Okay, let's let's find a way to like to to trick people and to to be entertaining and to make people click on us. And mm-hmm. before it's, you know, whatever time in history you may you figure out a way to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. It's it's mean-hearted yeah. and mean-spirited. Yeah. And it's a way for everybody to come together behind their computers and point and laugh at people. And yeah. that's not fun. That's yeah, not it's, okay. It's bullying, yeah. It's, you know, it's like Taylor Swift said, why you gotta be so mean? Oh my god. That was, that, talk about profound. Yes. I know. I know, yeah. Um, so that's it. That's a, that's a done deal. Yeah. Um... I miss it already, but at the same time, I'm ready for the next one, so. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so a couple of announcements. Uh, Next docu, I guess not a series, documentary we're going to cover is, do you remember the specific name of it? I know it's the Centoya Brown one, but I don't know the name of it. I have no idea the name of it. I'm so sorry. Okay, well, it's on Netflix, and it's the Centoya Brown one. Um, So that's going to be the next one, and we will get a... Uh, Netflix party going on it. Um, I'm going to look up the name. Murder to Mercy, the Centoya Brown story. So that'll be the next one. So definitely keep an eye out. Um, if you are a patron, you will get an email through your Patreon account. So check your messages there. 
That's where we do the Netflix parties. Any level gets you invited. Um, and then the other thing we want to do is to wrap up Tiger King. We're going to do a contest. It's going to be on social media, the social meds. <laughs> and it's going to be a casting contest. So we'll have all the big players listed. You can go to our Instagram. So we're at Killer Queens Podcast. So we'll have a post on there that is just a blank template of each person. And then you can fill in who you would cast and just make sure you tag us in it so and that we see your use, entry. Use the hashtag, hashtag Killer Queens Casting. Yes. Hashtag Killer Queens Casting. And you can also include pictures, you know, like you can do, you can make it a post that has, you know, images of the stars you want to cast or whatever. But use that one, tag us in it, use the hashtag, hashtag Killer Queens Casting. And let us see your votes and we'll post on there when it's like when it's going to end and then we'll pick a winner and at random and um, I don't know, or we'll pick the one we like the best. I don't know, but we'll pick a winner and then you'll win an item of merch. Yay. Yay. I think it'd be fun to see like who it's everybody would cast because I bet there will be like a bunch of things that will be like, oh shit, that's actually perfect. But I never would have thought of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're excited to see your choices. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for going on this journey with us. And we will catch yeah. you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.